listener production. Hi there, I'm Sasha Barbagat. Welcome to this extra episode of The Briefing. A lot of people who travel to Australia are often shocked about the number of animals we share our streets and backyards with. Birds like the ibis, brush turkeys and lorikeets, possums, the odd giant spider or two. And if you're lucky enough to call Rottnest Island home, quokkas. We've come to live alongside them, but how have these species been forced to adapt to us? Well, here to take us through the details is listener journalist Tessa Randello. Tessa, welcome. Now, you came to us with this story because you're a Tassie local and you wanted to tell us all about a little-known-on-the-mainland seal called Neil. Who is he and why has he been making headlines lately? So Neil the seal is one of my favourite animals in the world. He may not mean anything to you if you're outside of Tassie, but this three-year-old elephant seal has become super popular after hauling out, which is basically having naps on beaches along the East Coast. So he's about 600 kilos at the moment and he's known for playing with traffic cones that are put on the roads to protect him and has made headlines again this month for giving a woman the best excuse not to go to work. Um, He fell asleep in front of her car, which what she thought was a break-in and she wasn't able to get to work. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to be the boss on the receiving end of that call. I'm sorry, there's a seal sleeping in front of my car. It sounds strange to someone like me who lives on the mainland, but I guess that's the point is that Neil has become this Tassie fixture. And we have to remember that while he is adorable. I was looking at videos of him before we hit record. Mm. He's super cute. Um, But he's also a wild animal. How has he come to be known so well on Tassie? Yeah, of course. So that's those traffic cones that I mentioned that he likes to play with are actually put 10 metres away from him when he comes to the island because it means that people can keep their distance. He is very special. He's one of just seven pups born in Tasmania in the last 30 years in the mainland. And it's normal for these seals that are born in the area to come back for indefinite periods. They go out to hunt and they come back to rest. But there are also some concerns now with this new popularity that people will go looking for him when he does come. He's safe from a distance, but people should be staying 10 to 20 metres away and even further if they have pets. So that's specifically why I'm not giving any specific locations about where he likes to hang out. Yes, absolutely. It does raise a larger question about how our expanding cities are affecting how Aussie animals are moving around and also how they're living. Talk us through that. Yeah, of course. So Neil the Seal, I guess as one example, has had to be evicted from beaches because he got too popular and it was dangerous for him to have so many people there watching him before. But I'm sure you'll have a little bit more experience with this than I will. But the Ibis is also a great example. Yeah, Ibis are everywhere in Sydney. And I was actually shocked to learn that they're not widespread all over Australia. They are in a bunch of cities, but um, Mm -hmm. Sydney really is, I reckon, Ibis capital of Australia. But there is this love-hate relationship. I personally think they're great, but my dog hates them. He chases them when he sees them at the park. (laughs) And uh, my father-in-law's another big hater of the Ibis because they've colonised this particular park near where they live. And he really, really hates the Ibis. How did this kind of relationship of love and hate start? Yeah, they really do seem to divide the community, don't they? (laughs) Um, Well, I actually had a chat with BirdLife Australia's Sean Dooley and he had answers for a lot of these questions for us. I love the ibis there, you know, and I'm a bit equivocal about the the bin chicken name. I kind of like it, our Aussie tendency to give everything a nickname. It's, It's pretty funny. 
But it also kind of puts down a really resilient and cool bird that that's actually just trying to survive as best it can. What's their natural habitat? Where are they usually? The wetlands that the ibis would breed in are no longer available to them. And a lot of our water birds have declined massively in the last 40 or 50 years. And overall, the ibis has also been declining, but we don't think it is because what they've done is they've they've managed to adapt. They've moved to the coastal areas and while there, they've discovered cities and that there's a basically a smorgasbord of food for them in, in terms of stuff that's in our rubbish tip and stuff that's been thrown away. I just think they're such an interesting bird that they've managed to, you know, completely move and, and change how they, how they work almost um, to make sure that they survive. But I guess is this almost like a short-term solution for the ibis? Like they're just trying to survive, they're just trying to thrive, mm. but their numbers are still dwindling. Do you think that we could like live in harmony with the ibis in, in cities or <laughs> or is there another solution, I guess, long-term? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they go in the future because there, there is some thought that they, you know, they're here because they, and, and surviving and breeding and raising young um, because there is plenty of food. But uh, there is some concern about the quality of food that they're getting, that essentially a lot of the city ibis are... <laughs> I guess, have a, a bit of a junk food diet and that might not be so great for the long-term survival of not just their chicks but but the future generation. While the ibis has a lot of fans, myself included, there is this sort of resentment that people have for any other type of wildlife that manages to survive in a city. And so you get this bin chicken uh, stereotype and that they're filthy birds and stuff. So, you know, you don't want the, the bulk of the population living in the cities because they're always subject to down the track there might be a campaign against the ibis and they might you know people might start persecuting them so and are there any other i guess birds that you know of that have also managed to to do this kind of adaption or is it something that mm. the ibis has really perfected um there's there's actually a few birds that almost surprisingly have have done well despite urbanisation. Uh, one bird in particular, another pretty controversial one, is is the Australian brush turkey, or people might know it as the bush turkey. Now, these are incredible mound-building birds which make them unpopular with gardeners because they rake up with their enormous feet these massive mounds of uh, basically like a huge compost mound. But just over the last 20 or 30 years, and especially in the last few years, they've started to adapt to... The suburbs and so we saw this happening in Brisbane first and other towns further north but over the last 10 years in particular the brush turkeys are starting to recolonize the Sydney area. Yeah look I've uh, spent quite a bit of time in Sydney's North Shore they're very well known there brush mm-hmm. turkeys uh, however I currently live in the inner west and my local community Facebook group was going off the other week because a brush turkey was spotted in our suburb and people were just going, how are they getting here? Like, this isn't normal brush turkey habitat. But, you know, I guess they go where the food is and where there's cover for them to kind of make their habitat. So good for them. Yeah, I guess they all seem to do this. They all seem to kind of move around and and pop up in random spots. But I also have to tell you this story, Sasha. As far as experts know, the bin chicken behaviour in Sydney 
didn't actually start in Sydney. Apparently, it was exported from Melbourne. Oh. So back in the 70s, they had a bunch of ibises at the Hillsville Sanctuary, which is outside of Melbourne. And those birds kind of learned how to eat from people and learned to eat trash and all of those kind of bits and pieces. And then later in the 70s, there was a zoo swap and they sent these Victorian ibises to Gold Coast and Sydney zoos where they believed that they taught those ibises the kind of bin chicken behaviour. Because in Melbourne, you don't see the ibises. Sometimes they're walking around in the parks and stuff, but they're not as popular on the bins or stealing people's picnics or anything like that. Yeah, it's such an interesting thing that this behaviour of animals is adapted to a certain place and then they Mm -hmm. can actually move it somewhere else. It's really, really fascinating. Tessa, thank you so much for bringing us this story. And uh, yeah, really interesting to see how some animals have had to adapt to our growing cities. Thank you. That was Tessa Randello from the Listener Newsroom in Hobart, contributing to this extra episode of The Briefing. Thanks so much for listening today. That's all we've got time for. I'm Sasha Barbagat. The team will be back in your feeds tomorrow morning from 6.00.